Blog Talk Radio. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm pretty sure you're astounded by Serena's like success. 
like so soon after pregnancy. But uh, could 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 we finally finally like officially say that Serena Williams is perhaps the most dominant athlete in all of sports, not just in tennis? Yeah, I think we probably could have said that years ago. Yeah, exactly. I agree with that. Um, and you know, I mean, I, I mean, she has what? 20, she's sitting on twenty-three majors. She's one shy yeah. of tying Margaret Court, and she Wait, came stop, very close stop, to doing stop. so. Uh oh! <laughs> Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Let's just have a little bit of context about Margaret Court. Nobody talks yes, about yes. Margaret Court and her having twenty-four majors until Serena Williams got to twenty-three and tied Steffi Graf. And the reason for that is because. Margaret Court actually won 11 of her majors at the Australian Open when nobody went there, when it wasn't a big deal and people skipped it all the time. It used to be held right in the middle of Christmas, and nobody went. Nobody went. And I'm going to tell you something. When Steffi Graf got to 23, nobody mentioned Margaret Court. But now that there's a black woman knocking on the door of greatness and holding the all-time big legacy, we want to talk about this racist, homophobic white woman, Miss Margaret Court, being the one that she has to beat. We never used we never used to talk about her. Never. Never ever ever. She was never in the conversation, and now she is. So as far as I'm concerned, we can talk about Serena Williams and Steffi Graf because them two are the greatest. Margaret Court, she could take a seat. I mean, it's just sad that everything has to boil down to race, right? I mean, we, we can't like, – <laughs> like, we can't just, like, uh, let it be. You know, like, you know what I'm saying? It's always – I mean, why whenever we try to do something, <laughs> it seems that someone comes up to me. I know. Because I'll say this. I just know. Just because I'm a sports nut, that's the only reason why I know a little bit about Margaret Court, and I stress a little bit, you know, just doing some reading and stuff on tennis like a few years ago. But it's just mm-hmm. amazing that <clears throat> no one, to your point, I don't, <clears throat> I don't remember much about people talking about Margaret. I mean, if they mentioned anything about Margaret Court, if they would say – before the open era, yeah, I would hear that phrase. Right. You know, when people talked about ding, Margaret ding, Court before, <laughs> you know, but, but now, I mean, again, some people will say it, some people don't say it, like do not say it, and it's, I just, I just hope that we, as as fans and folks in the media, start. I mean, just just stop tripping and give Serena her props. I mean, hell, no one. I mean. Just to give it the same type of price that we gave Stephanie Grass, that we gave Martina Navratilova and, and, and a few others. And, you know, Martina Navratilova herself calls Serena like, like, like the greatest, not one of the greatest. I mean, just, just, just and I does. think Stephanie Grass does too. I mean, yeah, of I mean, anyone who has a brain who watches tennis and sports in general would say that. I just don't understand mm-hmm. why. And when, when we all know that Margaret Court was before the open era, why the people just it just it just baffles me. I mean, but again, I only know about Margaret Court because I, I love sports and I just happened to read up on her like a few years ago. But I just if, if it's before the open era, that's a big ass asterisk. Just don't mention it. I mean, if you want to mention it, fine, but just don't keep mentioning it over and over and over and over again. Well, to the point I guarantee that she you, it's a queen. I guarantee you. If Serena Williams yep. were a white woman, Margaret Court would not be in the conversation. 
So let's move on from that piece of shit. <laughs> Damn. You, you are so savage. You're so savage. <laughs> it's so funny. And I love it. I love the unapologetic savageness. But I, it's just, I don't know. I mean, I had a conversation with some buddies of mine a few years ago. And, uh, you know, and I also had a blog post about it. It said, what if, and it was an honest conversation, it was an honest post. What if Serena was blonde, was a blonde American? Mm-hmm. What, what if, mm-hmm. and this was like maybe three years ago, I guess it was. It, it, it came out mm-hmm. like because like um, when, um, when um, uh, what, uh, what's the name? Uh, the chick who Maria Sharapova. Yeah, yeah, Maria Sharapova. When she when it came out that she had millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars of endorsements, more so than Serena did, that's what gave me that idea. I was like, "That's right. odd." A person who Serena has dominated, even at that point, has dominated. Um, it's like being dwarfed with endorsed by endorsement money, and it's just, of it's just. I mean, I do why. I had an idea of why. I just want to pose a question to the public, an open question. Honest question. Right. Why wasn't she getting all this shine? Why do you have another person who she's dominated get more shine than she does? Why? I mean, especially right. her being a, I mean, Serena being a, a, an American. Why? And Sharapova being a Russian of all people. Why? Why was that? I mean, it's just sad. I mean, look, I'm, I'm very hopeful and maybe very not to the point of sometimes being naive, but I, I just, I just. Hope that 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 we're not that common sense is not trumped by by like by racism and, and bias in this case. I, I, I well, sincerely, you know better. I know you know better. A lot, but <laughs> I, I know I know better. I know I'm just saying. I just hope by this point. I mean, it's just amazing that sometimes common sense is not all that common. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Listen. Sharapova so, has so, five majors. That's it. Yep. And what's the record against, against Serena? Is it still in county? Was it what two and was it two she and eighteen? She has beat or? her. She has beat her twice, and she has not gotten a win over Serena in fourteen years. Fourteen. So it's wow. it's not really a rivalry. <laughs> it's a media <laughs> narrative that I'm sick of. Well, speaking of media narratives. Like, uh, at the end of that John Eisner match where he lost, what, in his final set, what, seemed like a thousand. Oh, my God. I mean, let, let me ask you this. I know you're groaning right now. <clears throat> and John McEnroe is one of those matches where it was exciting and you just wanted it to end. You know, it was taking so long because obviously they don't have a, a tie break in the fifth set or in the deciding set was men or women at, at most majors, except for the U.S. Open. Uh, to the point where John McEnroe was like, can we just, and I'm paraphrasing, can we just get, you just, just have a tie break at the end of the fifth set, doing the decided set already? Because it takes a toll on the, on the athletes and the, on the competitors, mm-hmm. and to the point where it will adversely affect them in the next round. I mean, remember that marathon that Eisner had a few years ago? What was that? What, what was mm-hmm. the score? Was it 77? What the hell it was? And it it was seventy eight, like seventy six, I think. It was ridiculous. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, and to the point where the poor dude is uh, was another, involved in another one of those marathons, 
and um, and everything, and 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 if it wasn't that, and, and and if that wasn't bad enough, excuse me, um, Rafa and Djokovic had a long tie break, uh, now not tie break, but a long fifth set. I mean, it's just the point wow. where I mean, thankfully it didn't for Djokovic said it didn't affect them in the final, but can we just agree that? Just have a, a deciding like a tiebreak and a deciding set going forward, just for the no, quality. No, we sake. cannot. <laughs> ah. No, we cannot. <laughs> Listen, these matches that go that long are few and far between. I mean, we've really only ever seen two of them, right? It isn't mm-hmm. so uncommon right. for it to go as far as Rafa and Nole did. That happens ten, eleven, twelve. Okay. Does it, you know, drag out? Yeah, but it really depends on the player. Like, Rafa and Novak, when they play, you know before it ever even starts that it's going to take a long time to finish, whether it's three sets or five sets, because they both play really slow. Federer can play a Mm five-set match in the time that Rafa plays a three-set match because he's just a faster player. So we have to take those things into consideration. However, we have to... You know, there's a unique thing about tennis that um, this is the only sport that I'm aware of in the world where when you get to the pinnacle spot of your sport where the rules actually change, right? So you've got yeah, the NBA right. finals, and, and the rules stay the same. You play the same amount of minutes, that's it. You get to the Super Bowl, you play the same game. When you get to a major in tennis, and there are only four of them, and there's only three of them where there's no tiebreak in the final set, the rules change. So it makes it more special. I guess nobody wants to see a match go that long, but I don't think it no. happens enough to warrant a rule change. You know, I, I kind of mm-hmm. like that you have to win in tennis. Because, like, in soccer – I'm all about the penalty kicks at the end. I think it's intense and it's fun and it's it's like a tie break, right? But yep. I don't I don't want that in tennis because this is the most special piece of the sport. This is the Super Bowl of tennis, these four competitions, and I don't I don't want to see a rule change for TV purposes or whatever. Now, if we continue to see sets end in uh, numbers in the 20s or even the teens, that's too much. It is. It's too much. Um, but maybe the rule shouldn't be that we have a fifth set tiebreaker at six all. Maybe it should be when we get to 10 all or 12 all. So they can't mm-hmm. get to 20 or 70. That I would be okay with. But I, I really like the idea that these are the biggest tournaments of the sport and the rules are special and you have to be good enough to finish. I do appreciate that about tennis because you don't see that anywhere well, else. In any sport, and I get that. You know, I mean, you. I mean, obviously, you make some valid points because, again, that's what makes that's what sets these majors apart. Except for the U.S. Open, that they have these. Uh, mm-hmm. They just play it out. They just, in a sense, just play it right. out. You got to win by two, and it's kind of like win. twenty-one or any other sports that you got to win by two, right? So, yep. I'm just saying, we have. You know how short attention spans we have as Americans. It's like we we watch Which is why the U.S. We, Open doesn't have it, right? Right, <laughs> because they get it right. Exactly. 
We got to on our soil. We tune out after we tune out after eight eight. <laughs> you know what I mean? Probably. Probably. Get over with. Yeah. But it's a global it sport. It is a global sport. It's global. Yeah, I get it. I don't know. I'm just saying. Um, I I mean, yeah. I know that, you know, when Kevin Anderson got to that final and he had to play that long match against John Isner, of course that affected mm-hmm. him physically, and we don't want to see that. We don't want to see that. I can I, I yeah. agree with you there. Um, he didn't get into the match in the final until the third set, and it was too late. Novak had already won, which, let's be honest, Kevin Anderson wasn't going to win anyways. He wasn't. So, you know, Mm. you would have liked to see it be more competitive, but he wasn't going to win. The truth of the matter is, if you are outside of Rafa, Roger, and Novak, and you make it to a final, your prize is that runner-up plate. You ain't winning. They don't lose in finals unless it's to each Why other. Compete, right? That's the truth. Yeah. I mean, so just they, don't show they just, only... just, just, just accept your consolation prize. Just say thank you, you know, for the play. Okay. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much because they don't lose. If an outsider manages to make it to that final, you're fucked because you ain't going to win. You're not. So, you know, it is what it is. Oh, Novak got him another so one. Funny. I'm glad the Serbian devil is back. You know, I am. I'm, I'm glad he's back, causing some noise. I wish that he would embrace his villainness, but he won't. He wants to be this person that, I don't know. I just, I fucking hate Novak Djokovic, but I'm glad he's back. That's, that's <laughs> you say. hate everybody. If, if his name is not Roger Federer, you hate No, it's not true. <laughs> Listen, I think Novak Djokovic is a fucking cock, man. He's just an asshole. Like, he's out on court, and he's yelling, and he's screaming, and he's like, ah! And, you know, it's like, he's ripping his clothes off. Like, this is the gentleman's sport. We don't behave that way, right? But he does. I mean, it's just, you know, he's being a whiner, crybaby, like, I need to play on center court. I don't want to play on court one. Like, you play where you play. I, I but whatever. I, I'm glad that he's back, because he he's good for the sport, I guess. You know what? This this marks a first in this podcast that someone has referred to another person as a cock. That's radio gold. <laughs> That's radio fucking gold. That's I bring so something special to your show. <laughs> yes, you do. Every time you just bring it like that. So let me tell. So so let me get this straight. Are we going to see anybody out like on the men's side? Anybody outside of big three? The trial for it, if you will. Or if you want to throw Andy Murray in there, the big four. No, you can't throw Andy Murray in there. Andy Murray basically has a bionic hip right now. He's not playing shit. (laughs) He doesn't get to be in the conversation. (laughs) Oh, my. You're so savage. Okay, how about this? The trial for it, then. Nadal, your boy Mm -hmm. Fed, Federer, rather, and uh, Djokovic. Are we just destined to... It can't be any of those three who win. Like, you know, it's like why even bother showing up type of thing. Are we just destined for that going forward? This is what I'm going to tell you. I actually had a conversation with Reels, my co-host, about this very thing this morning. And he's bitching to me that, you know, (laughs) these younger players, they, they just don't step up. They're underachievers. There's no way right. in hell that these three men should be ruling the tour. And 
I want right. to play devil's advocate on that for a minute because, and this is, I truly believe this. Yeah. We have never, we, we cannot judge someone's career, first of all, until it's over. And we have seen pretty right. much a whole new generation of players come through while these great people are away, right? You can't do that. Right. Um, so given that we are in the midst of this, we have never seen this type of dominance in tennis ever before. We have seen the same handful of people win all the time, but not at this level for this long. You know, back in the McEnroe era, it was McEnroe, it was Borg, it was Jimmy Connors, but they didn't have 10 majors at the same place. You know, that didn't happen. So maybe, just maybe, instead of saying the generation that's coming up behind these three are underachievers, which there absolutely are some. I don't doubt that at all. But maybe the truth is we need to sit back and enjoy what Mm -hmm. we're seeing because they're just that much better than everybody else. They're just that much better. And I think... That's what Colin Cowherwin said. There's nothing wrong with dominance. There's nothing wrong with it. And I don't know if, like, Rafa falls in that category as being that much better than everyone else, only on clay. Because you take away his clay court title, and he doesn't have a stellar career. He has a good career, but it's not stellar. It's even great, but it's still not stellar. Djokovic, he's getting there. Roger Federer has a stellar career all around. And the only reason he doesn't have more French Opens is because of Rafa. So maybe they're just that fucking good. You know, and I think they are. Yeah. I really think they are. But because if they weren't, you wouldn't have a 37-year-old man, a 33-year-old man, and a 31-year-old man dominating for the last 15 years. They have to have that something extra. But I guess, again, we won't really truly know until the three of them especially Federer, have completely left the game and been away from the game for quite some time to see if we're going to have Mm -hmm. another player that dominates the way that he does. And one thing that people don't... No, Micah, my child's interrupting. Rude. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Micah. Um, (laughs) But one thing that we we tend to neglect when we talk about Roger Federer is the fact that um, when he when his dominance started, he truly played on different surfaces, and he has he has managed to evolve his game and change his game. And I think that part of the problem why these younger players are not able to come up and dis- dethrone these people are because they have learned to play one style and they go with it and they go hard, and it works or it doesn't. But we all know that in order to get better, you have to change with the game. You have to change with the technology. You have to change with the people around you. You have to make them make you better. So I don't see that happening. I don't see that happening at all. I see a lot of younger players modeling their games off of Rafa Nadal and Novak Djokovic, who have very similar styles. They bang the hell out of the ball from the baseline. Federer doesn't play like that. Not at all. He's all over the court. He comes in the net a lot. I wish Rafa would go in more because he's brilliant at the net. He has beautiful hands. He's, you know, he's got a great doubles career in his uh, over the course of his tennis career. But he, that's not his that's not his natural that. style of play. 
Um, but Federer is always all over, you know, and he knows that he he can't hang with that baseline game. He has to end points early. So the older he gets, if you go back and watch when he was younger, he played more mm-hmm. back, but now he's older and he knows, you know what, I got to just end it. So he's always thinking and evolving and changing things. But the other players, they're, they're just not doing it. So I don't, I don't know. I just, I really, to come bring it, you know, all together, think that they have very high tennis IQs and they're just, their talent, their natural talent is better. They work harder. They have the resources to work harder. We all know that it takes money, right, to get the best coaches, mm-hmm. the best physios. They have it. Tennis is a very expensive sport. The majority of the players on tennis, even those whose names you know, are financially struggling. People don't realize that yeah. they pay for their own hotel rooms, their own flights. You know, they pay for all that. They don't have a they, don't have a, they might have a clothing sponsor, but all they're getting is clothes. You know, I mean, that's all they've got. No money so, to clothes? I mean, not wrong with clothes, but yeah. all the money. I mean, that. you know, wow. if you're a big, big name, if you're a Rafa, if you're a Maria, if you're a, a Serena, yeah, you've got sponsorships outside of a clothing or a shoe deal. But the clothing and shoe deals that tennis players get are nothing compared to what a basketball player or a football player or a soccer player is going to get. Tennis is a is a wow. drop in the bucket compared to them other sports. It's tiny. They they don't generate that kind of money. So there's there's lots of things that I think make the top three bigger and better than everybody else. And but the biggest thing of all, I think, is just sheer talent. Just sheer talent. My rant is over. I'm sorry. I feel like I just talked for 20 minutes straight. No, it's okay. <laughs> no, 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 no worries. That, it just fascinates me that you got three old dudes. Like as far as it's like old, old from a, from an athlete standpoint, because they 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 say that what typically a 30 year old, if you're in their thirties, you're quote unquote old. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, but still, I mean, it's just crazy to see those three guys, Djokovic, Nadal, and your boy Federer, still dominant the way they but, do. And it's props still. I mean, again, I know, love dominant. But to to make it relatable, like look at Tom Brady. Look how long he's yeah. been around. Look how long he's been dominant, you know. We all know that the quarterback LeBron is LeBron James, four. too, your boy. LeBron James, he's old for an athlete, for sure. Some people yeah. just have that extra special thing that makes them better than everybody else. They just have it. Yeah. Some people have it. And, and it seems to be it, a generational thing. I don't know that we'll ever see it again. We won't. We In won't. our I lifetime. Mean, which is why I, mean, I think ever, that but, – well, I don't, I don't think that well, not like this, not for a very, very long time. I'm just like this, and we'll get you out here on this. Is, is that it's 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 yeah. I think that fans, we fans, would not appreciate the type of dominance we see from Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic in tennis, and the men's side as well as, as well as Serena on the women's side until they're long gone. And yeah. that's when yeah. we all that's, start yeah. to wax, wax poetic about nostalgic about. Man, I remember back in these days, it did the, the dominance right. of this, blah, blah, blah. You know, that's why I'm as as I, as I can. <laughs> I don't mind the dominance. I don't mind the dominance. I mean, if, 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 I other, team, if other players want to step up and win it, you got to take the crown. you got to take the crown. That's right. Um, so, that's on them. Hey, sis, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it, and we'll, we'll definitely rep again soon. All right. Take All right. <laughs> All right. All right, cool. All right, bye. Just. 
please check out Janina Reed on the Real Tennis Fans podcast. Hilarious. You you see you heard her how, how hilarious she is and her podcast is even more hilarious with her two co hosts. So please check her out there. Um now we move from Wilmington. I'm gonna skip the World Cup and go straight to the the Kawhi Leonard trade because I cannot believe that is happening. And here to break that down is my co host, my, my my partner Dwayne Nash. Y'all know him from the yard slash HBCU Sports that reps about all things HBCU Sports as well as his his podcast with coaching company called Sleazy Radio here on Blog Talk Radio. Dean Ash, what do you think of the Kawhi Leonard trade, brother? Are you astounded that he went to Toronto as I am? Oh, he dropped. Oh, he dropped. Okay, hopefully he'll dial back in. But anyway, while while Dwayne's trying to call the um, dial back in, I just give my thoughts. I wrote a rant earlier today during my lunch break. And, yes, I did it on my lunch break, folks. Didn't play hooky while I was at work. But, at any rate, I was shocked that he went to Toronto, that Toronto made a deal for him. I mean, they gave up, um, uh, what's his name, uh, De- uh, DeMar DeRozan, a young, promising guy who's kind of like a tomato can right now and, and, and like, a, and a, a couple of draft picks, I think, uh, for Kawhi and, and, and Danny Green. Look, I understand – I understand Toronto shooting for the stars. I understand that they wanted to shoot their shot. I understand that the East is wide as open, and why not? Why not make a splash? I'm just thinking. I'm just worried that they give they give up their best player and another young guy and two draft picks for a dude who's not going to be there after this season. And I know that uh, Masai Jury Jury. The uh, GM of the Toronto Raptors, he's known for his smooth talk. He's known for his interpersonal relationship with players. And I know that he, he, he thinks he can talk Kawhi in the stand. I just don't see it, man. I mean, Kawhi, he's from Compton, he's from the Compton area, I guess Riverside, California. He said, he specifically said time and time and time they want to go to L.A., preferably the Lakers. He wanted to be at that. So that prevented teams like Boston and Philadelphia, two better teams, from making big pack, big offers, trade package offers to, uh, uh, to, to the Spurs because they know or they fear that Kawhi is going to be going after, that, you know, after next season and they mortgage the future for one-year rental, which is not the smartest business in the world. I just, I just, I just wonder about – what Toronto is thinking? I mean, I, I I just don't get it. So Dwayne's back. So and Dwayne just dropped it, dropped again. I guess it's not meant to be. He's, he's having trouble dialing in. But um, but basically, I, I, this is this this trade for the Raptors. It's like the 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 latest in the series of events that were made rashly, irrationally rashly, if you will, from them being bounced out of the first out of the second round. By the by, by LeBron James. I won't say the Cleveland uh, but this. I just say LeBron James because that's been the their their main tournaments. But I mean, the thing is, is that I just I just think they acted too rashly. I mean, too 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 rashly. I mean, they got rid of Dwayne Casey, who led the team to 59 wins in the regular season. I know regular season not the same as postseason, but still, success is success. They had a top seed. But I, I get that, but. You know, but still, you 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 fire Casey. You bring in some dude named Nurse. 
I you know I know that he was I guess he was an assistant under Casey, but I mean I don't, I don't trust anybody whose last name is Nurse. I mean maybe maybe if if, if, the, if he or she was in the hospital, you would like someone with the last name Nurse. You probably feel good about the chance about getting well or not being afraid of that big ass anesthesia uh, needle or or epidural or whatever lucky like take to numb your pain. But I don't want an NBA coach with last name Nurse. That's that that's just uh, I I don't know about that. Why, why don't you hire a guy named Barney then, if that's the case? But nevertheless, I, I, I mean, just, just firing the head, the successful, wildly successful head coach, training away your best player who's going to flourish like hell in San Antonio because that system helps develop stars and develop them, some stars and superstars. I mean, I mean, the world thing has to be looking at the shelf anyway. Let's see if the way is right there. Dwayne, you there, bro? Scott, please forgive me. I am somewhere within Central Virginia out here in the, the, the middle of – well, I'm not necessarily in the middle of nowhere. I'm currently on my way to the CIAA football uh, media day tomorrow. And, um, yeah, out here in the state, it's very little this happening. So are you, are you in Norfolk in, in, in Norfolk, or, or – well, you said CIAA. So, yeah, are you in Norfolk or, or Hampton Roads there? Where are you? Actually, I'm heading to uh, Roanoke. They've um they've moved oh, the uh, championship game out to Roanoke, and um, I think okay. it's the second year that they're having the um the media day out in, in that area. Okay, I got you. Well, we'll keep you on this as long as you possibly can. Yeah, it was ironic No problem. I, I heard the entire not the entire but the, the last fifteen minutes of the tennis conversation, and just as you got off, that's my lost step. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so I thought it dropped out like, ah, but it's probably in the dead air. But we'll do the best we can, brother. Um, but what, but, but what, what, your thoughts on the quiet little trade for the Toronto Raptors? You know what? I was uh, intense, in just like you were originally. And then I thought about it. Uh-huh. Yeah, not, I'm sorry. Toronto probably realizes that the, the, the spot that they're in right now is as far as they're ever going to mm-hmm. get in the Eastern Conference. Um, at best, it'll be a one thing, and they think that they're probably going to end up battling between the likes of Boston and Philadelphia for the next few to five years. And they probably don't right. think that this is just much better, and, and especially with the, uh, the, the contest that they have for Lowry and the Um So they felt as though that in order to um, to get better, they're going to have to get rid of one of the contracts and just start over fresh. They already understand that um, Toronto is not a huge destination place as it pertains to free agency. So Yeah, no, it's not. They got to do what they got to do. And, and um, you know, if they're going to be fine for wise, that would be fantastic. If they can't, they can just go ahead and start press with what they have. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. I'm glad you brought that point about about um, about uh, uh, Toronto being a place where NBA players do not want to go because of the high tax rate in Canada. Even though Toronto is one of the most beautiful cities I've ever visited, it just it does get cold as hell there. It does snow a lot, and I don't know. If really, I mean, if you look at the lineage of NBA stars that's going through there, like Chris Bosh, he left the free agency. He didn't necessarily hate it. He's like yeah, in a situation yeah. in Miami at the time. Um, but before that, Jason Gray wanted out, and mm-hmm. Vince Carter really wanted out to the point where he played his way to a trade. Um, 
But I mean, so so to have someone like the Rosen, who's a who's a competent kid, who who spurred a chance with the Orbiters of playing in, in L.A. for like for his hometown Lakers, he decided to go back to Toronto, but he wanted to be he wanted to be part of something special, and the fact that he was so pissed when he found he was traded. I told you all you need to know about that. But I'll say this is a, this is a coup for for San Antonio because no, we we all knew that no one in the right mind would give up the the, 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 the mortgage of future for a one year rental if it weren't the Lakers. So, I mean, Boston was smart enough to see that. Philly was smart enough to see that. And L.A. even the Lakers were smart enough to see it, like because. Hell, he already said that he was on his way to the Lakers. He already said that he wanted to play for the Lakers. I mean, I mean, why, why, why not wait? You only got one more year. Why not wait? You know what I mean? So, I, I just wish that this is reminiscent of the Carmelo Anthony to, to the Knicks trade, when all we had to do was to wait, and he jumped off again. But I'll just say this. It just it's just it's just wild uh, uh, reminiscent of the Camilla Anthony trade. When all we had to do was, I mean, Dolly Washington GM at the time in New York, he had Denver over a barrel, and then our stupid ass owner James Dolan screwed that up, took over the negotiations, ended up getting half our team, and we know the rest of the story. Had one shit and like <laughs> we we only had two playoff appearances under Anthony, but nevertheless. L.A. played it smart, the Lakers played it smart, and Toronto was desperate. And look, I know, again, Toronto wanted to shoot this shot. I get it. I just think that Toronto would have had to just get a shot um, in a conference where where their chief tormentor being LeBron James is out west now. So now you have to to compete with Boston and Philly, maybe Indiana and Milwaukee, but that's it. I mean, they they have a, they 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 have an easy path to the Eastern Conference Finals, and at the very least, I still think Philly, even though they're great, they're on the way to being great. They're almost at the break, cusp of being great. So really, it's talking about Boston at this point with all the young studs and Kyrie Irving and and Gordon Hayward coming back. But look, I I just think I, I well shoot, I know this if Toronto. Doesn't get to at least the conference semifinals, or to, I mean to the conference finals, and Kawhi ends up walking anyway. I think the general manager's gonna fire, him. and and I wouldn't like that because I really like the general manager a lot. I mean he's he's, he's brash, he talks ish, lots of it, and he backs it up. I mean with, with, with his personnel moves, at least a very smart guy. He's just taking a big risk, but I mean I guess what the saying goes, you got to swing for the fences, but. But but still, I I just think that I just think that Toronto, you know, like like Toronto's going to be looking back in, in two three years once uh, 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 once 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 Cal Lowry and Serge Ibaka and all those cats are gone because they have they all have expiring contracts uh, next I think next season I think this season season after next I forgot. Um, they're going to be looking back, especially the fans, and be like, damn, we had a good thing going. I mean, we, we didn't get past LeBron in the playoffs but in the last three or four seasons, but still we had a great run, and they did. I mean, there's nothing wrong 
getting invested deep to the you know to invest deep into the playoffs and not winning the title. No wrong with that. I mean, hell, I, I love my Knicks to do that again. I'm sure Charlotte Hornets fans would love for that to happen for them. I'm sure that the um, who was that a second team? Uh, I'm sure that the Orlando Magic and their two fans would would, uh, would love that. I just think, I just think that Toronto acted very hastily. I think they were very rash. I think they just rushed things. I think they panicked. And you know, we'll see. Maybe, maybe, maybe Kawhi pulls a a. Uh, and Paul George stays stays put instead of going to a bigger market free agency. Maybe maybe that will happen, but I don't think it will. But maybe it does happen, and you know maybe um, Toronto will get set to build around Kawhi and uh, and Van Fleet kid and and a few other cats in the squad. I I I just I just think they have to rationally, but only time will tell. As far as the World Cup goes, move to the World Cup now. I'm not shocked that France won it. Hell, I called it front like uh, from the jump, like uh, Dwayne. I called it that France would win it because France has that rare combination of speed, athleticism, and tactics. All three of those, all three of those, just really came into play and in the, in the manifest itself. I mean, Croatia, while gritty, and they had a lot of heart, especially after after France. Francis goalie just absolutely kicked the ball right to the dude <laughs> and the bounce right right in for a four to two deficit. But but you know, but still, I, you know, this was Francis World Cup to win for the jump. I'm not shocked at all that happened this way. I just wish that Francis played down to to the global competition in the group stage. But hey, they they dominated in the knockout play uh, in the knockout stage. Um, but y'all check out Croatia's ridiculous. Celebration back home, and when it went back to the homeland, I've never seen so many people excited over second place. I mean, yeah, you made a World Cup. I know your country is about the big, the size of population size, and maybe San Antonio. And I get, and you know, hey, I'm not trying to take away your shine. Hey, if you if you ball out like that, better than people expect. I mean, Croatia ranked 24th in the world, right ahead of the U.S. at 25th. More of them, more of them in a minute. Um. I guess I'd be excited too, but to the point of lighting up flares and shit and blurring music over second place. If they lost second, they fell with it. Knowing that they lose the final, they got the asses kicked. <laughs> I mean, but anyway, look, whatever floats your boat. I mean, whatever makes them happy. Again, props to Croatia for for getting to the uh, World Cup final. Um, you know, props to them for doing their thing, like like outperforming their people's expectations, probably their own expectations. I mean, who knows? But but still, but I tell you what though, I hate to be a fan of England. I mean, talking about it, he's let down. I, I thought they were friends in England in the Taliban like weeks ago, about 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 a couple of weeks ago, and I, I just you know, I, like I know people say that England benefited from being in a weak ass group. I get that. It's kind of like Russia. But uh, I just think that England underachieved. And, you know, you know, you know again, they, they made it to the semis. They made it to the third place game, which they didn't really show up for. They only just took, took them apart. But still, 
it's all about expectations. England expected more, the fans expected more. So who knows what we're seeing in the 2022 World Cup? Um, one last thing, real quick, about the U.S. about the U.S. men's national team. I was going to ask the question: How can they avoid failure? I've been on the record the last few weeks beating the drum that U.S. U.S. soccer should do things differently in terms of not having as many pay for plays, making it like accessible for inner city kids or lower income kids, like from different social from disadvantaged socioeconomic backgrounds. Because looking at U.S. Men's, U.S. soccer as it pertains to men, especially and the women too, uh, it's a country club sport because it's, it's like if you're not affluent, if you don't know anybody, then you just ask out. You just fall through the crash. You just have to hope that they that 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 that, that uh, those people discover you or those kids in the other way, whether they choose to play in Europe or not. I I I, I just hope that. The, the people in the men's national, the members of the men's national team saw what happened to them and turned that into Tobago. And just hope, hope that they, they, they dream about that failure, that they use the failure to motivate them. I know that a lot of the people on the squad will not be available in 2022. I'm hoping that they get new blood in. I'm hoping that they got people to replace Michael Bradley and, um, and uh, what's that brother's name? I can't. It's on the tip of my tongue. I think but later. But uh, Jersey Altidore and a few others, uh, you know, to go along with that police kid who's balling. I mean, he's going to be in his prime from 2022. And, uh, and something tells me that the, that the men's national team will bounce back and bounce back in a big way. They still got the big dogs in Mexico to deal with, maybe Costa Rica as well. But if the U.S. men's national team and U.S. soccer did not did not take anything away from what happened to them in Trinidad and, and Tobago, and, and try to do things differently to get more kids. Because look, we are a country of 300 plus million people, probably more, a lot more than that. And to the point that we can compete with the Iceland, the Costa Ricas, you know, countries that have the population the size of mid mid of mid major cities. And their metropolitan areas, it's just no excuse for that. We have much, many more uh, resources. We have many more access to players due to, to end like this. And I, and, and, and I know people like to make the argument of, well, they don't, we just don't care about something. That's just bullshit. I mean, there are so, I live in Cincinnati, Ohio, and, and I volunteer and coach a team for the eight, for eight, for eight and nine-year-old kids in a big city-wide league. It's it's huge here in Cincinnati. If it's huge here in Cincinnati, I'm sure it's even bigger in major cities across the across the nation. So I don't buy people not caring about soccer for a minute. It's just the way that U.S. soccer actually takes advantage of of the pool of resources that they that, that they have to choose from and try to attract and recruit these kids. Because again, so quite a few of my I mean a big portion of my roster comes from urban backgrounds. And they have skills. So, hell, if I've seen this as a lay person who doesn't know a damn thing about soccer compared to the corporate experts in U.S. US soccer, then I know that U.S. soccer has to know that too. So here's hoping that U.S. soccer gets us that together and, and doesn't country club, the, country club the hell out of the sport and try to do what the rest of the world do, does is just makes it open, and make it open and accessible for anyone who wants to get involved. Now, last but not least, to touch up on MLB, 
uh, at the All-Star break. Uh, as far as, like, uh, like surprises, you know, what's, what's been happening, some disappointments going on, too, um, you know, up, up to this point. Well, as far as surprises go, I know I, I remember having my brother-in-law on the show, uh, Brian Van. He, he talked about a lot of things. He like a, he's a he's a lifelong Orioles fan, but he came to love the Atlanta Braves when he, he and my sister-in-law spent some time in, in Atlanta, because uh, everything. And he told me specifically that he he looked for the Philadelphia Phillies to make some noise this year, and I laughed at it. I almost laughed at it. And lo and behold, they were first damn place in the National League East. That is crazy. That is crazy. Then, then many of the Atlanta Braves, a game and a half, I mean, like half a game within each other for first, for first place in the National League East, it's just amazing. And, and Washington, I mean, I, no one saw Washington, the, the Washington Nationals underachieving as they are right now. This is a 500. But, man, props to Philly and Atlanta. And, and I know that the baseball season is, is a marathon. It's, you know, it's definitely not a split, obviously, but, I mean, hell, 95 games in, give or take 94, 95 games in, well, a little bit past the halfway point, and those two squads are balling at the top of the AL East. I mean, I'm sorry, the NL East, rather. It's, it's just it's just astounding to me. And I didn't know that the Arizona that the Arizona Diamondbacks would, 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 be, would be back in there as well. I mean, you know, they – Actually, was one of the uh, wild card uh, contenders, uh, the wild card opponents in the wild card game against uh, Colorado. Um, but you know, I thought that the Arizona was going to fall on the face of the earth and just re- like revert being the little brother in the back. But I know the Dodgers have come on as of late, and Arizona like lost their lead the half game back, but they've been playing well in the National League West for most of the first half, and. Going, going to the Central, I mean, you know, I know I spent a lot of time in the National League, you know, I'm a big Yankees fan, but I didn't think Milwaukee would, would be back in there. I thought this would be Chicago and St. Louis and everybody else, but Milwaukee's balling. And, and I know Milwaukee came on last year, and Milwaukee's in the middle of the midst of a six-game losing streak right now. They're 55-43, the two-and-a-half back of Chicago. Chicago looks, looks like they're about to they're finding their stride finally. But I got to give props to Milwaukee at least for making it interesting. But I mean, they've been in first place much of the first much of the first half of the season. And last, my last big surprise is seeing Seattle playing the way they've been playing after losing uh, Robinson Cano for for roiding up. Um, they've gone on a tear since then. Maybe it's a clubhouse issue with Robinson Cano, but they're like five games behind. And, uh, like 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 behind first place Houston, and yes, Seattle's on a four game losing streak. But again, being fifty eight and thirty nine, especially after losing Robinson Cano for the rest of the season, probably um, it's just crazy. And 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 honorable mention the Oakland A's. I thought they were really sad. I mean, they're fifty five and forty two. They're only eight games back to Houston. Only three games back of the last wild card spot, uh, which 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 thrown by Seattle at the moment. It's it's just crazy. It's it's it's. I mean, the LS is crazy. I mean, you, you got the Angels who are game above 500 in fourth place, um, in Port Texas. But at any rate, I mean, it's just it's just a lot of a lot of teams playing good ball right now. It's just that the American League is, and which leads me to my disappointment. Um, 
the big disappointment to me is probably, I mean, I thought the Twins would do much better than they are doing right now. They're six games below 500, seven and a half back of Cleveland. I mean, I'll tell you what, Cleveland, they're at this point too. And they'll, they'll be, they have to be lucky to be playing in a sorry ass division as, as such as the AL Central, where <laughs> the second place team is six games below 500. Because otherwise, they'd be getting their asses pumped out right now. It's just crazy. And and, and also a bit to the point, at this point I mentioned earlier, all the Nationals sitting at 48 and 48, five and a half games back of Philly and five games back of, of Atlanta. Again, it's a long season. I get it. And and, and you have like, what, if I do the math in my head, my North Carolina math in the head, that's what, it's 162 games, and it's 94, 95 games being played, give or take. I just round down and say 94. That will leave me with 68 more games to go. So, look, I mean, we're, we're coming up on, a, on, on like on the road, like uh, like like we're coming down the stretch here. The pennant race is about to heat up. It usually heats up in August. And if you look at teams like the Red Sox and Yankees, the two best teams record-wise, well, them them record-wise, they're the two best teams in baseball. In the same division, four and a half games back of each other. I mean, the the Sox, the Red Sox, had what that that big long tear. I think they won eight in a row at one point to overtake my Yankees. Um, but as long as my Yankees add some pitching, before I mean, I don't know when the trade deadline is on something ahead. But as long as we add pitching, that's what we need. We don't have the most reliable starting pitching. All we have are Luis Severino, who's our stud ace. We have CC Sabathia holding on as long as he can, and and you know, and Tanaka has that has that bum arm. Instead of Gray, I just I I I want to just kick his ass. He's just so he's the softest tissue paper. I mean, we brought him in from Oakland. He was balling out in Oakland, and he just shrinking at the bright lights in New York City. But as long as we have any siblings of starting pitching, we're gonna be fine. Uh, we got the hitting. We got the bullpen. Uh, Roller Chapman is still a stud closer. We just need some pitching because the Red Sox are just tearing it up. And I hate saying that as a Yankee fan and an Red Sox hater, but I got to give Prosser Prosser is due. Um, Boston and Houston both. They can both hit, they can both pitch and mash. That's a rare combination. All, all my Yankees can do is just match. But, as, again, as long as we get the pitching, it's the American, e, the American League East going to be interesting, and the American League Plus pitching is going to be even more interesting come, come October. So, uh, who, like, like, who knows? But, I, I, you know, it's just, it's just it's great to see baseball. I'm not – I mean, I'm not, I don't love baseball as much as I do football, basketball, especially basketball. But, it's 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 uh, uh, you know I think it's going to be some there will be some cool storylines, you know, come August, come September, and you know this it's going to be it's going to make for one interesting set of pennant races this year. So, gotta look forward to that, dear friend. But anyway, that's the end of the show. I think I'm done talking to myself here. I hope you all enjoyed, y'all enjoyed the podcast as much as I did. Again, please check out Janina Reed on the YouTube podcast, Real Tennis Fans. You can find her on Twitter as well. 
please check out my man Dwayne Nash on Sleeps uh, Radio every week here on Blotter Radio as well as the Sports Bar at the Yard, such as the CU Sports. I'm Scott Burks. This is Planet Art signing off. Oh, six. Good night.